Hello, my friends. It's Ryan from the Prolific Creator Podcast. Now, many of you have asked, hey, Ryan, how do I support the show? Well, I finally listened. Starting today, you can subscribe to the Prolific Creator Plus on ACAST Plus for $3 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee. No apps to download and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Get access to the entire archive of Prolific Creator Awesomeness. Over 160 episodes going back to 2017. Yes, that's right, my friends. A plethora of information and inspiration, tips, tricks, and interviews to get your art and work into the world. Remember those ads? Say bye, bye, bye. Wait, there's more. For $5 a month, you can get access to the full prolific creator experience. This includes the full archives, early access to episodes, listener Q&A, book and movie reviews, and interviews not for the public, and perhaps any other awesomeness I might do on the microphone. Sounds awesome, right? Yeah, it does, Ryan. If you want to listen for free, you'll notice the last 50 episodes or so will always be available wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, by subscribing today, you don't have to download any new apps, and you can simply keep listening on the podcast platform you prefer. Cool. Okay. Cool. Thanks for your love and support in advance. Simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website, and it'll take you where you need to go. Now on to the show. Episode number 93 of the Prolific Writer Podcast, Glenn Robbins stops by the show to talk about his writing adventure. Let's go. Welcome to the Prolific Writer Podcast, where speed's the name of the game. Follow an indie author and publisher and his guests as they share inspiration, tips, and advice on writing fast, writing often, and writing well, so you can do the same. Here's Ryan. Well, hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Prolific Writer Podcast. This is your host, Ryan J. Pelton, the podcast dedicated to helping you write fast, often, and well. If this is your first time, welcome, welcome. If it's your 39th time, welcome, welcome as well. However you found us, so glad that you are here. The podcast dedicated to helping you get unstuck and get more words on the page. And today, episode number 93, we have another great interview with Glenn Robbins, a thriller action adventure writer with a popular series called Off. And you're really going to love this interview as we dig into his writing journey and how it's been a long journey, uh, but you're going to be inspired by just the the effort, the work, the perseverance uh, that he's shown just to keep going and uh, is writing some great books. And you're going to hear more about that. So I'm so glad that Glenn Robbins could come on the show today. And uh, hey, not a whole lot to update. Um, you still got a little cold. So if you're listening uh, earlier this week, uh, yeah, fighting a little cold. So my voice sounds a little bassier, a little deeper. Hey, that's what that is. But, um, we're, we're fighting through and, uh, it's Valentine's day, 2019. And, uh, hopefully you got to spend time with your loved ones, uh, whatever that may look like for you. And, um, I'm so thankful to have just celebrated my 23rd Valentine's day with my beautiful wife. And, uh, yeah, I can't believe it's been 23. I don't know how she puts up with me. Uh, that's just grace in her life and grace in my life. I don't know how we, how she does it. Uh, but she is a, a sweet woman. So glad for her and her support and uh, my family. And so, yeah, hopefully you're having a good Valentine's day and Hey, I know it's uh, middle of February. Uh, if whenever you're listening to this, I hope you're writing goals and dreams and, uh, aspirations are going well this year. And Hey, if you've kind of had a slow start to the year, I know, uh, it's been a little slow for me too, but, uh, you know, Hey, 
today's another day and tomorrow's another day and this week's another opportunity to get more words on the page. So hopefully this interview will encourage you, inspire you, get you moving in the right direction. And so thanks for listening. I'm going to get right to the interview with Glenn Robbins. Well, welcome everyone to the Prolific Writer Podcast. It's your host, Ryan J. Pelton. I'm so glad today to have Glenn Robbins on the show. And uh, why don't you say hello, uh, Glenn, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, hi, Ryan. Thanks for, for having me. Appreciate the opportunity. Um, I've been writing for a few years now. I've put out three books. Uh, it's a series of, of three called The Off Series. Um, and, you know, I, I have a few other books in the can that I'm working on revising and, and hopefully going to get out here in the next few months. Well, great. And uh, yeah, thanks for, uh, for coming on the show and we'll get into a little bit of your off series. I, I'm intrigued by that. And I was, I was doing a little snooping around, not anything weird or creepy. Uh, but uh, noticed that I, I was reading your bio. I loved kind of a little bit of your backstory about uh, way back in the nineties, uh, you know, beginning to write a novel. You're waiting for a client, I think. And uh, yeah, and started writing this story and said, I really enjoyed this and wanted to finish it. And so why, why don't you just jump right in? Why do you write? Um, <clears throat> the, I think writing is an awesome form of communication because, uh, well, there's, there's two things I love about it. Backspace and delete. <laughs> right? Because <laughs> when you're talking, you can't always undo something that you said that was stupid. So writing is a great form of, of communicating because you can edit and you can fix and you can say it the way you really want to say it. Um, but that first novel that I actually, I never finished. Um, you know, I, I was sitting in my office waiting for a client to come in, had my computer there. And this is after probably reading. So I set up my, my first business right out of college. And, um, and so now I had time to do some unassigned reading. So my mom turned me on to John Grisham. She goes, oh, there's this new author. Out. This, again, this is back in the 90s. <laughs> so I got into John Grisham and I read every one of his books, sometimes while I was waiting for clients and sometimes late into the night. And um, so one time I was waiting for a client to come in and just started writing. And it was based on just kind of this odd dream that I had. That I thought, you know, I could turn this into something action-packed. So I let my mom and a few family members read that first draft. And my mom's comments intrigued me then, and they, they kind of propelled me, propel me now. She says, your first draft is better than the final product of many of the books that I read. Mm -hmm. My mom's a, a, a voracious reader, probably three, four, five books a week kind of a reader. And, um, and so she... She got me on to John Grisham. Then I went to Michael Crichton. And then I went on to um, the Bourne series and just started going out from there. So I read all kinds of different genres. And um, then this the off series kind of came, again, based on just a, a weird dream that I had. One of those dreams that lasts about, you know, a fraction of a second. But in that fraction of a second... I felt like my whole world had changed. I was standing in the front room of my home and I had the 
I had a phone to my ear, but I don't remember hearing anything and I don't remember saying anything, but I remember the feeling and the feeling was they're not coming back. They being my wife and my kids, they weren't coming back. And that feeling stuck with me. You know, I, I woke up in the middle of the night and I had to go search the house, make sure everyone was alive and breathing. Mm-hmm. And then I, um, I, I thought about that dream way too much and it kind of threw me into a funk and I was worried that it was some sort of sign from God that, you know, you're, you know, a little foreshadowing. So one day I just sat down at the computer and started typing out my thoughts and my feelings and kind of what this dream meant to me. And then I thought about some more. I thought, you know what? There's some, there's some bits here that I could turn into a story. So what if this happened to some regular guy like me? And, you know, what if, you know, it turned into a a cat and mouse kind of chase, you know, and I just kind of developed it from there. Truthfully, my, my, uh, my mom and dad helped me kind of create the, the, the suspense in it by giving me some, some pointers. And, uh, and then it just kind of evolved. I found a great editor who, um, helped me develop the story even further and um, said, you know, why don't we break this instead of a five, 600 page novel, why don't we break this into three? So that's kind of what we did and added a lot to it. Well, yeah, I I love your, I love your story because it it seems like, and if I get the date right, it's like 93 was when you first kind of sat down and started to write this little story that really became, you know, nothing. But then later on, you know, what, what kind of kept you, going i mean obviously that seed you know you're reading things you're you know looking at you know talking to your mom and she's giving you pointers and things but obviously that i mean that's a long gap uh between the you know the first book that that kind of came out like what kept you going i mean were you still kind of writing things and just putting them in the drawer or what what did life Um, look like after that life got really crazy after like 93 i started a different job i moved uh, a couple times i uh you know started a couple different businesses and um, I was just crazy busy. And I kind of thought, well, that, that writing thing, that was just a dream. It's, that's never going to happen. And so I just kind of canned that first book and never, never went back to it until uh, about 2009, 2010, which is when I had that, that really depressing dream I was talking about. So I sat down and started writing as catharsis and then, you know, found that uh, I had some nuggets in there that could, that could work. So I actually got going on the book in earnest in probably 2012. And then life got busy again and I put it down. And um, then my, my wife met somebody uh, who said that she was an author. And by this point I had decided I would get more serious and I was writing consistently. And, um, and my book was starting to take shape and I was reading stuff about, you know, how to write. And I met with this, uh, this other author from our area and um, she gave me a lot of great pointers and sent me, you know, told me I should go to this conference in Seattle. So I, I flew up to Seattle and attended a, the Pacific Northwest Writers Association conference. Great conference, by the way. And, um, but I got there, and I'm sitting in this room with, uh, with 700 or so people, and I'm looking around thinking, all these people want to get published. You know, these are all authors. You know, this is essentially my competition. 
everyone wants to get published. Now they had a panel of uh, agents, you know, literary agents and publishers and, and um, editors and whatnot. And those panelists all came up. Some of them represented some of the big publishing houses, some medium and small publishing houses. And their, their message, each of them spoke, you know, half hour, 45 minutes. <laughs> the message was really kind of depressing. It's really hard to get in. It's going to take you a long time. And you're going to have to really work hard at, uh, at your, your presentation. So that pitch letter is, going to, is all important. And uh, the guy I was sitting next to, you know, we had lunch together and just really bemoaned our fate. Like, oh, this is never going to happen. Mm-hmm. Then in the afternoon, the Amazon guys came in. The Amazon guys were all about, you know, do it, do it on your own. Control the quality. Control the message. You know, you can do this, and we're here to support you. And guess what? You get to keep most of the profits. <laughs> you were that, <laughs> uh, that was, for, for an entrepreneur like me, mm-hmm. that was the best news I could ever get. Mm-hmm. So um, that, that got the wheels really rolling, and I started kind of putting together a game plan and said, you know, I can do this. Mm-hmm. And um, thus it began. Well, that's great. I, you know, that's an encouraging part of your story and a lot of, you know, people I interview and my own story too. It's, it's just giving people an opportunity that just wasn't there before and, you know, not having to wait around for the gatekeepers, but also like, like you said, I think, I think what people don't realize is, is the control part. I was just talking to an author recently, you know, she was talking about how uh, she really wanted the title of her book to be something else. And they just were so persistent on, no, it's gotta be this. And she's just like, that's not it. That's not, not a good title. And, you know, uh, graphic design and covers and all that kind of stuff, marketing, you know, people don't realize you don't have a lot of control and you don't have a lot of marketing dollars and unless your name's King or Grisham or, you know, right. and, and so you're really on your own anyway. And so, yeah, it's, it, it's, it, it's just an exciting day. And, and again, yeah, there's a lot of people out there, but you know, really a lot of time, you know, when you think about the competition, I like that part of your story, you know, it, it really is just a competition against yourself. I mean, there's, there's so many books and authors, but everyone has different tastes and likes. And it's not the guy down the street who's writing thrillers, you know, like you can't write a thriller. Um, but it's, you know, what is your angle? What is your, you know, way of writing the story? What, you know, what's interesting about your, you know, your way of doing things. Um, so, uh, so 1993, you know, start this story, uh, 2009, 2012, you start, you know, thinking about, you know, indie publishing, kind of more self-publishing. I know you have three books out. Um, so, so walk us through a little bit. Uh, I know you're re- you're reading a lot, you know, th- talking to authors and things like that. I mean, how did it begin? I mean, when you actually sat down and said, okay, I'm going to do this first book, uh, talk us through a little bit of your process. I mean, did you have any, I mean, I know you had little kernels of ideas, but I mean, did you have an outline? Did you have a character? Did you have anything or you just, just went for it? What did your kind of daily process look like? Talk us through that. So I had the character and I had a few different ideas. And I basically just pants the first, uh, well, actually the whole first draft. Um, but, you know, I, it was a very busy time in my life. I had started another business and was fully engaged in, in getting it off the ground and, and making a living and, and um, doing a, a lot of community stuff. I, was, I coached my kids in every sport. And, um, and so my evenings were, were gone. My, my mornings were gone. And I just kind of squeezed it in here and there. And I, I heard you mention on a, a podcast recently, you said it, it grows cold unless you're touching it regularly. 
And so my story kept getting cold because I wasn't doing enough. And so it was probably somewhere in 2013 where my, my wife kind of kicked me. She goes, you ever going to do anything with that, uh, that book you started writing? I mean, wh- where's it at? What's, what's going on? She goes, I see you typing like sometimes, but you know, what's up with it? And uh, so I said, well, you know, she goes, well, let me read it. So she read the, the first draft and she goes, yeah, you know, you could, you could do it better, but, but you got to keep on it. Have, she goes, I want you to finish it because I want to see how this, this works out. So um, with her encouragement, I, I got serious. I, instead of using my work laptop, I decided to buy my own laptop, you know, personal one that would just be for writing. And I spent a weekend away where I just focused on it. And I got, you know, I don't know, eight or 10 chapters written in that one weekend and, and, and fixed a whole bunch of other stuff in the early part of the story. And I thought, yeah, you know, I could do this. So that was probably 2014. And that's when I, I turned it over to my editor. <clears throat> and we worked on it for another few months, massaging it and, and uh, revisiting different elements. And that's about the time that I read Stephen King's book about um, on writing mm-hmm. and realized, okay, it's got to be a daily effort and there's got to be daily goals and there's got to be a process that I follow. And so, yeah, it was probably, you know, midway through 2014 where I really got serious about, you know, doing this part, part time, you know, balancing everything else in my life and, uh, and making a go of it. And so, you know, I, I'm still not hundred percent consistent. I, I wish I could be, I wish I was that much of a machine, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm more consistent than I've ever been. and and I'm working on keeping the quality up and keeping the, uh, the stress away because I can stress myself out big time when I said big goals and don't hit them. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I wanted to mention today is, you know, you've got to make, you got to have goals to, to mm-hmm. keep making progress, mm-hmm. but you also got to make sure that they're realistic and make sure you don't beat yourself up when, uh, when you get behind on the goals, because mm-hmm. that's kind of my natural tendencies. Yeah. Yeah, really hard on myself. So well, I am. Um, and, and I think, you know, one of the challenges of an indie author too is you don't have someone telling you it has to be out by this date, you know, and unless you do pre-orders or something, I, I know I've done that before where it's kind of like you, you almost set yourself a de- deadline to say, I got to have it out by this date or they're going to kick me off Amazon, you know, because if you don't hit your pre-orders, they boot you out for a year. But, um, and, and, and that's, you know, then we just become kind of floundering, you know, hobbyists. And, and I think for most people, you know, I mean, being a hobbyist is fine. Um, but you know, people do have goals and they, they want to, you know, write some stuff and they want to finish the series. They want to get some stuff out there. Uh, but yeah, if you don't have any kind of goals or any, you know, I talk a lot about that a lot. It's just even just writing down simple goals, like, Hey, I'm going to, this week, I'm going to write this many words or this month or this year. Um, again, yeah, it doesn't matter if you don't hit them, but, I, but I found early on when I had, you know, five novels in my drawer, um, you know, I just didn't have any goals. I didn't have any reason to finish them. You know, what was pushing me to finish them? I mean, there's nobody, nothing. It's just like, well, yeah, if I get around to it. Um, yeah. But, you know, and then you realize, I mean, it sounds like you're a dad and, and have a, a wife and responsibilities just like me. And, and 
you know, there's never a good time. I mean, there's always something going on. There's always a kid who's sick. There's always work stuff. There's always conflict. There's, you know, so if we're looking for this magic season, you know, where everything's going to just align and we're going to, you know, uh, going to get after it, it's just not coming. Um, I liked your, I liked, uh, you know, you said getting away for a couple of days that that's, you know, there's some wisdom there too. If you can find, you know, sneak away even for just taking a full day and saying, Hey, just today, I'm going to focus on this and kind of binge, right. Is, is really healthy. You know, like I talked about, you know, keeping your stories warm, it, that that's a demotivator when you're just kind of picking at it and poking at it for months and months and years and years. It just, you just kind of go, eh, I don't know, <laughs> and, you know, and that's why it took me six years to write right, the first one. Right. Cause I wasn't serious about it. Yep. And, and, uh, you know, I was going to say, I kind of have this, this love hate relationship with goals. Mm-hmm. You know, I love it when they motivate me and keep me going, but I hate it when I get behind and I feel like, Oh, I've got to hit a home run to, to mm-hmm. catch up on them. Yep. You know? And, and so the key I think is, is balance, balance in, in your approach, balance in your expectations where you say, you know what? I'm going to give it my best, but today my best isn't as good as it might be some other day or it was last week or whatever. So if I don't hit my word count goal today, I'm going to hit a word count. I'm going to get something on the page today and I'm going to do this five, six days a week. And, you know, eventually I'm going to get somewhere mm-hmm. um, because it's, there, there's nothing more demotivating than not making progress. Right. right. I think that's what you're saying. Yep. And so, uh, you know, for me, it, it was uh, kind of having to pick myself back up off the mat a couple of times when I, I got running down this track, like with this current book. And um, <laughs> I realized, you know, 30 chapters in that I had backed my main guy into a corner and he was no longer in the action. And I couldn't figure out how to get him in the action. And so here I was charging away, doing my thousand words a day and, you know, 40, 50,000 words into it my main character had no part. <laughs> I had gone five chapters or something without him in it. And I thought, Oh, I don't even know how to get him back in. <laughs> so, you know, in, instead of getting super upset about that, I just said, all right, rev two, mm-hmm. here we go. And, um, you know, pulled out the pieces that I liked and put them in rev two and, um, uh, started all over. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's, you know, that's the fun of, and even joy of writing is, is that again, there's no blueprint. I mean, it's, it's your story, it's your world. It's, Hey, if that, you know, those things happen, right. And you can go back and, and tweak it and fix it. And, and, and I think as you, it sounds like you've written more now, maybe years ago, you wouldn't have caught it, but you know, in the past you kind of just go, Oh, it's fine. And then we'll just kind of, kind of go after, but then you realize, no, that's not going to work. And right. you, know, you start to pick those things up. And, you know, I, I just had that too, where it was like a detail in a story I was writing and I was like, wait, they're divorced. They're not married anymore. And, you know, just kind of, it would actually ruin, it was like a big plot point actually later. And I'm like, wait a minute, I got to fix that. Um, so, you know, it's just those, yeah, those little things that you kind of learn along the way. So, um, so Glenn, let's talk a little bit about your series, a little, little more deep dive into the off series. So you have three books in the off series there. Um, would you, you, you would define them as thrillers. Um, they yeah. sound like kind of action adventure, almost thriller type type stories. Yeah. Um, now, was that the, jumping into thrillers? Was that kind of influenced by a lot of the early stuff you were talking about that you were reading? You know, Grisham and and Michael Crichton, and I mean, I know they're not always nice, neat thrillers, but um, is that just stuff you like to 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 read? Or tell us a little bit, kind of why why those stories? Yeah, I, I read what I or I write what I like to read. Mm-hmm. 
And um, I liked fast-paced, you know, action-adventure stuff that uh, was was realistic, but just edgy enough, just just you know, far out enough to expand your imagination. And that's kind of where I fall into with this. So early on, I I was trying to mimic something that I saw in the movie A Beautiful Mind. I don't know if you ever saw that one. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, great movie. It, it, it's a great movie. And I tried to write my book this way where in the first half of the movie, you're seeing everything from Russell Crowe's character's standpoint and you see him doing these things and they make total sense. Then there's that scene where he's talking to his wife. They're sitting across the kitchen table and all of a sudden the whole perception shifts and you're seeing everything from her perspective and you realize he's crazy. Mm-hmm. He absolutely, he's nuts. Mm-hmm. None, none of this stuff that he was doing was real. And I kind of wanted to, to write like that, but my editor says, yeah, I don't think on your first book you're going to pull that off. <laughs> so well, that's really tough. Yeah, to that's, do. that's very ambitious. So we, uh, we backed off and went with a pretty, uh, a more normal third person narrative. Mm-hmm. But the idea was, um, you know, here's this guy who's kind of, broken you know he's knocked off kilter by uh by tragedy and he's he's floundering and um and then danger enters his life and he's got to start maneuvering around that danger and um you know there's there's elements of travel which excites me i I like the idea of world travel and um there's elements of of uh romance because he's got a love interest uh, uh, friend from long ago that you know the romance blooms again and it's got uh it's got that exciting cat and mouse chase element that uh, that i really enjoy so it moves quickly um and it it hits on all those different beats so so just today i got an email from a guy who was asking me some you know, advice on legal thrillers. I've never written a legal thriller. I've written some thrillers, but, um, but you know, one of the things I've heard, like if you're going to write kind of a Grisham type, you know, legal thriller is like, you got to get the legal stuff right and not sound like a dope and, you know, courtroom scenes and all that and make it as realistic as you can. You know, what are, uh, just for those that are listening, I know I get, I do get a lot of people asking me about that, you know, when it comes to thrillers or kind of action adventure, I mean, what are some things you kind of keep in your head and things you've kind of learned just from reading as well? Like what are like tropes or or beats that you say these, these kind of have to be in there to keep kind of the pace going because people are always looking for, you know, how do I keep it going? How do I keep it moving along? And, and, you know, what are some things that you've been kind of learning along the way? Um, well, there has to be peril. You know, the, the, the main character has to face peril. He also has to face internal, his internal demons. Um, you know, and in the case of my, my guy in the off series, he's a very normal dude. He's thrown into a very unusual and unpredictable circumstance. And, um, you know, with, with thrillers, you want your, your, there, there's two things that can happen. You can have a main guy like a Jason Bourne who, because he's so well-trained and so smart and so tough, he can overcome it all. And, and with his mind, same thing in the Mission Impossible series, right? You got these guys with incredible talents and incredible perseverance and will and skill. Or you have, you have a guy with, with some of those aspects, 
with a lot of grit, a lot of toughness, but also a, a helper, somebody who's coaching him, teaching him, guiding him. And Mission Impossible has that to a large extent where, you know, you've got his team around him kind of helping him, but you got this guy with incredible grit, resources, and just a never say die attitude. So that's when you're writing thrillers, you got to have kind of those elements, a guy who's ready and willing to rise above the, uh, the stress and the, the difficulties facing him. And there's got to be, you know, something big on the line. And in my series, that, that thing grows as he kind of starts to understand who his enemy is and what his enemy is all about. That's good. So, you know, when you think about a, a thriller too, what, you know, I, are, are you thinking, you know, I need, it needs to be short chapters. Um, you know, how does, you know, description work? I mean, does, I know people write books in all different, you know, ways and styles, but I mean, I mean, do you spend a lot of time describing things or is it like, you know, we got to just really get to the action. We got to get, get moving. Or is it kind of just a, a sweet spot that you try to find? I, I try to find that sweet spot and, and, you know, you read the reviews. Some people like it. Some people think I spend too much time on descriptions and, and whatnot. Um, but the, there, there is a happy medium in there where you're painting the picture in broad strokes and maybe leaving out the fine detail. You let that go for the, the reader's imagination. But you're developing a character and you're giving him real emotions. You're giving him, you know, brains and consequences. So, you know, he's going to make mistakes and uh, he's going to pay some consequences for those mistakes. And because um, if you have him doing everything perfect, people just go, ah, mm-hmm. you know, this guy's untouchable. Right. That's not real. Forget mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So there, you know, in, in modern day thrillers, there has to be that element of, of humanity mm-hmm. where he's not a machine overcoming each yeah. and every obstacle perfectly. But there does have to be both internal and external conflicts. And those conflicts have to vary. Um, now, I've learned to write scenes. So sometimes I'll have several scenes within a chapter, or sometimes I'll have one chapter that's one scene that'll be shorter and quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there has to be something at the end of the chapter to keep them going, a, a story question. And it can be a big one. It can be, you know, you try not to do too many cliffhangers because that just wears out your reader. Mm-hmm. But there has to be some something to keep them coming back. Right. And uh, a, a story question of some sort. Like what's happening with the girl? What's happening with, you know, the bad guy? Um, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. No, that was really helpful. No, I, I like what you're saying about external, internal conflict. Because I think if you write a book that's just external, you know, we got to get the bad guy. We got to you know, stop the bomb. We got to stop the whatever. Um, but you don't have kind of an emotional, there's other internal conflict. You know, the, the characters just aren't as deep. They're not as interesting. Um, like you said, they can't be perfect. I mean, if they're per- cause we don't relate to that. We're, we're just like, we know we're not, and we mess up all day long. And, and yet there's this guy who's floating on water and, you know, right. uh, you know, jumping off buildings and things. Um, but yeah, you know, I think that's one of the things I've learned too, just as I've been writing some, some crime thrillers for quite a few years and, and just that 
that backstory of losing a loved one and always feeling like he's neglecting someone or something by doing these missions and things like that. Like he just really wrestles with that. Like, why am I doing this and what keeps me, you know? Um, and that's, you know, some of the feedback I've had where it can't just be blowing up buildings and blowing up cars and things and, and chases. But, um, but that's, that's the fun of it. It's, it's like, what is that depth? What is that problem? What is that internal you know, turmoil that they're facing? And I actually learned something by watching a, an interview with Pierce Brosnan. So Pierce Brosnan was offered the James Bond role years before he actually took it. And he wouldn't take it because he felt like James Bond was too much of this untouchable, untouchable immortal guy. Mm. I mean, you know, there, there was a lot of humor in it, I think. But uh, oh, what was his name? Roger. Um, ah. Yeah, the guy were, I grew up with in the 80s, yeah, anyway. Yeah, Roger, uh, I forget his last name, but yep, English guy. <laughs> I'm totally blanking on yeah. that, sorry. But, you know, he would come out of everything with his tuxedo completely clean, his tie in perfect shape, and he'd dust off, and on he would go. Mm-hmm. He just never got ruffled. And um, and Pierce Brosnan, you know, when he was approached, he said, you know what, that's just unrealistic. I, I, I don't want to do it unless you can let me be a real human. So um, they, they stayed on uh, with the other guy for a while and then came back to him in the, I don't know, early, mid-90s or whatever. He did, I don't know, four or five different James Bond uh, roles. But he was the first guy that, that went into, you know, took on that more human element. He hurt. He, he experienced pain. He didn't come out of everything smelling like roses. You know, he got beat up pretty good and uh, suffered some consequences. Mm-hmm. And that to me was much more realistic. And I really got into those. Daniel Craig has taken that a step further. I mean, he's really, really, um, you know, emotional loss. And, and they talk a lot in some of the films about, you know, family, his past. And you get this more colorful human depth that I really like. And the James Bond series is, is a perfect example of how, the thriller genre, both on uh, paper, you know, in books and in the movies, has evolved and continues to evolve. Mm-hmm. And really I, I like that. I yeah, like that's, that a lot. that's really good insight. You know, the, you know, it's funny because you know, people ask, well, so how do you, you know, create this kind of internal conflict or this depth? But you know, people think, well, give them a limp, you know, give them, you know, a physical problem, and that could, that could be. Um, what I think a great example is David Baldacci has a, a series. Um, I don't know if you've ever read any of his stuff, but it's memory man. And he's, he's, he's this kind of FBI guy with mm-hmm. this crazy memory because he got it from a football injury. But you know, when he gets into his like backstory, you realize like his, his family was killed and you know, there's a reason why he's an FBI agent kind of doing these things. And he his NFL career ended by this collision. And, but now he's got this crazy memory and, you know, that's really interesting. And that, that kind of gets to mo- motivation. Like, why does he do what he does? And, you know, he's lost everything and he's kind of this loner and, you know, um, that, that's, that, that's what draws, I think people in. It's not, Oh, he's got a limp. Oh, he's, you know, <laughs> he's really tall or fat or whatever. Um, right. you know, that's kind of old, old school, but yeah, like you're saying with the James Bond stuff, it's, it, there's another level when the guy's not so perfect and, you know, has everything together that he actually, you know, falls down and, and makes mistakes and, you know, and, ha- and has different motivations for why he does what he does. Um, no, that's really great. Um, I think people need to be able to see themselves in the character. Yes. Yes. You know, they need to see elements of, of their own personal struggle mm-hmm. 
and their own personal weaknesses and like, oh, if I was faced with a, a struggle like this, how would I overcome? And I think that that's, you know, uh, a huge draw if you can if you can get it right. If you overdo it, that's not good. If you undercook it, that's not good. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I'm not perfect, I'm sure. There's okay. lots of people that, that think I'm, I'm not, but uh, several that think I've, I've, I've done all right with it, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, storytelling, there is no perfect book. I mean, I think you read your favorite author and you just go, "Eh, I don't know the ending. Oh, I don't know that part, you know, and and that's just that that's actually encouragement to me. It's to realize there's really no book that, you know, fell straight from heaven. Um, So, so Glenn, let's, let's talk a little bit. So you have this off series, you got three books in the series. I know you're writing more and, you know, so you write the book, you, you send it off to editors. Now talk us through a little bit of kind of the process of, you know, when you were thinking about covers and thinking about marketing and thinking about all that kind of stuff, I mean, where, where did you begin? What, what were you, cause you have, you, your books have great covers by the way, um, is, you know, I mean, were you looking at other books? Were you just trying to figure out, you know, who do I talk to? What, you know, cause that's always a, a stumbling block for a lot of, you know, indie authors. It's like, okay, I've, I've written this thing now. Yeah. How do I make it, you know, a package, a product that people actually want to look at and buy possibly buy, you know, you got print, you got audio, all that stuff. So talk us a little bit about that journey. Well, it's interesting because you, you mentioned some of this stuff in a recent podcast of yours I was listening to. Um, I think initially I felt like, okay, I'm an indie author. I've got no resources. I have to do it all my, myself. And I kind of started looking into, into software, and, and I thought, there's this huge learning curve. I don't know if I want to go up that learning curve to learn everything I need to know to make these beautiful covers. And I looked at some of the Amazon stuff online. I thought, hmm, okay. Basically, what they're ta- doing is taking pictures that you find online and combining them. And um, I got talking to somebody about a cover, and they said, uh, well, if you remember, your cousin is a graphic designer. Why don't you talk to your cousin? So I talked to my cousin, and uh, he goes, I'll totally do that for you. So he's the one that did my first three covers. And then I decided uh, just recently to redo the cover on, um, on Off Kilter. Um, so let me take a step back first. Uh, okay, so that's how I did the covers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, and then about six months ago, I went to guru.com and just put a, a bid out there for someone to redesign my cover. Had this email conversation back and forth with a, a cover designer, settled on a, a price that I thought was really decent. I think it was 200 bucks. And uh, she wanted to get her foot in the door with, with uh, thrillers. So she put together the, the new cover on, uh, on Off Kilter. And um, I thought that was great. It gave me a lot of uh, insight into how the covers are done. I'll probably redo the other two covers. And how I go about that, I, I'm not quite sure yet. Mm-hmm. But back to the editing thing, um, when I attended that conference in the summer of 2014, um, I, I think it was 2014. Maybe it was 2013, whatever. Um, I was in Seattle. They had these booths outside the, the main hall. And one of them was for a website called Writerly. And um, it was basically just a, a marketplace for, for, uh, for contractors who, who did all the, the stuff that support authors. So authors go on there, set up a profile, and say, okay, I need formatting. I need a book cover. I need editing. And that's how I found my editor, and she's been absolutely great. She's really easy to work with, and 
and has great insight without trying to take control of of the voice or the, the story itself. She just throws out suggestions, and sometimes I take them, sometimes I don't. Mm-hmm. And I explain to her, hey, you know, this is kind of what I had in mind. She goes, okay, well, ignore my advice. That's fine. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we just have a really good working relationship. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. I, you know, with editors too, it's, it, you know, one of my editors that I love, he, he always says, you know, Ryan, I'm not trying to, I, my job is not to take your voice out of the story. Like that's if, you know, if they're saying things like, well, if I, if I were to write this book, here's how I would do it. You know, that's not what a good editor does, right? It's to keep that voice intact, you know, obviously show you things that are, hey, this is wrong or grammar or, you know, or, or inconsistencies or whatever. Um, there's funny, I just reading something about Stephen King and he said, you know, one of the early things he did and he didn't realize this. He's like, I, I used to listen to my editors way too much. Mm-hmm. Um, was, it was just everything they said, I just did it. And he's like, no, that's not, you know, when you write this book, it's like, it's your book, it's your baby. It's, you have this feeling of where it needs to go. And, you know, and again, not spelling, not grammar, obviously if it's spelled wrong, you're going to change it. But you know, story stuff it, you know, and, and I think that's with, with a good editor that can kind of walk you through those things is really important. Um, I think you grow in confidence as you, as you yeah. get more writing under your belt. And, yeah. you, you know, in, in the third book, I probably ignored more of her suggestions. I know I, I ignored a lot more of her suggestions than I did in the first two. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I wouldn't, I, I would just get back to her with a quick email. Hey, I didn't do this and, and this because I had this in mind. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, okay, that's cool. Yep. And then I would say, oh, I'm going to take this suggestion and here's what I'm going to do with it. And, um, you know, it, it, like I said, it's been a really good working relationship. I've learned a lot from her. Mm-hmm. A lot. No, that's good. So, yeah. So uh, those listening, you know, what Glenn said, you know, you got a cousin who does graphic design. It, it doesn't have to be expensive. I, I just see so many people wasting way too much money, especially when you're just starting to get your first books out there you know, spending way too much on covers. It's not a magic pill. You know, you still have to write a good book and, and yet, you know, your cousin, you know, guru.com, you know, go on Fiverr, go on, you know, I, a company I use a lot for pre-made covers. I mean, they're 40 bucks. I mean, you can, and you can manipulate them if you need to, um, yeah. you know, don't have to break the bank. And then, like you said, go back, maybe you need to redo them later. Um, I always, uh, I, I always say go, go on Amazon and check out, you know, what's your genre is kind of get a feel for what, what stuff looks like, what's kind of out there. Not, not all of them are great. I mean, some are just don't fit or they're weird. Um, but you know, just, yeah, you, you kind of creatively steal. I mean, that's really, uh, what's the book, uh, Austin Cleon wrote, um, uh, shoot, steal like an artist. I, I, rec- I recommend that book to everybody because this whole point is like, there's no new ideas under the sun. I mean, you're, you're, you're mimicking even the books you write. It's our favorite authors. It's just us trying to be, be that person or whatever. Um, right. And we take pieces from here and there and that's fine. I mean, obviously we're not trying to just, you know, steal wholeheartedly, but, um, but yeah, look around and, and look at what's selling and what's popular and, and what, what looks good and, and, and all those kinds of things. Um, and so talk us a little bit, just uh, kind of on the marketing you know spectrum. I know that's one of the questions I get a lot you know, is, is what, what's marketing look like? What works? What doesn't, what, you know, what do we do? You know, what have you tried? Uh, any, have you done anything uh, as far as marketing goes? So I've got a couple of authors locally here, um, that I get together with every so often or exchange emails with every so often. And we're always kind of bouncing ideas off each other. Well, what's working and what's not, um, you know, right now, Amazon seems to have changed their algorithm again to favor those who spend money with them. So that this idea of getting free marketing from Amazon is probably dead or dying. 
So you've got to come up with, uh, you've got to get in there, work with their tool and figure out your target audience and have Amazon help you get in front of your target audience. Mm -hmm. Cause they used to kind of do that automatically for you before, you know, with the also bot thing at the bottom of the page. Mm -hmm. Um, that's now, you know, sponsored. Those are sponsored ads. And so it's up to you as the author to know who your comp- well, competition or complementary uh, authors are and, uh, and try to get, you know, featured on their page. And that's a trick. That's, it takes some refining. Um, my, right now, my marketing is, um, in terms of my budget, I've kind of suspended it for now. I want to I'll reinvest when my fourth book is ready to come out. And because um, I, I was starting to see some diminishing returns. You know, I, I did BookBub um, and then Amazon Marketing Services. Uh, those have been my two. Oh, and, and Goodreads. Oh, and, and Facebook ads. So those are kind of my four things that I've done that I've tried to get good at. Um, but I track everything. I'm kind of a spreadsheet guy and I track everything in spreadsheets, how much I spent and what that return was. And I give it about two, two weeks, maybe three weeks to get that return. Cause after that it's, it's pretty much over. So, um, at first I was getting, you know, 180, 200% return. So for every hundred dollars I was putting in, my book sales were increasing by, uh, you know, close to 200 bucks. The, um, the return started kind of diminishing over time. You know, it kept doing the same thing over and over and, you know, got down to the point where I wasn't even getting my investment back. And that's when I kind of start stumbled across the, uh, the notion that you know, the best way to market your existing books is to write another one. And then, uh, you know, life kind of happened and got in my way of, uh, of publishing this fourth one on the schedule that I originally outlined. So I'm about eight months, nine months behind on that. But um, so I've kind of suspended my marketing for the last six months. haven't done much. Um, and I'll relaunch, like I said, when I launch this new book. Mm-hmm. So I've collected email addresses through um, my website. I've collected Facebook followers, um, both personal and and uh, for my book, um, I've I've uh, done one or two book bub promos that worked out really well, and then I found a whole smattering of other reader uh, websites that will promote your book for you. So I've got a bunch of these in in a uh, spreadsheet, and each time I kind of look at which ones gave me the best return as as much as I can, and uh, I'll I'll hit those up again in a couple months when I'm ready to launch this fourth book. Mm-hmm. Now, that's, that's really good insights when it comes to, you know, launching books and you know, you're saying you're kind of holding back right now cause you don't have anything coming out. But um, I had a first book in a series. It was a middle grade series that, um, you know, I, I used a, a website that kind of promotes your book and things, but there's nothing behind it. And so it doesn't really do a whole lot. Um, especially if it's a standalone or you don't have anything coming out anytime soon or, or anything that just came out. I know a lot of people are experimenting with, you know, um, you know, launching three books at a time or not, not the same day, but you know, having them ready and then kind of spreading them out, that kind of thing. I think there's some wisdom in that too, especially in the indie space with, you know, like you said, Amazon's algorithms are always changing. It's like, if you can keep 
books warm, it really does help kind of get, get them out there. Um, yeah. but yeah, there's just wisdom like, Hey, write the next book and you know, you know, it's been a little bit and you know, get the next couple going and, and go and see what's working and not. And it's always changing and that's why you have to experiment and see what's working mm-hmm. and what works today might not work tomorrow. Um, and, and the other thing, yeah, the other uh, thing I'm, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, the other thing I'm going to try that I've learned from a couple of authors that I really like is novellas. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's how I got hooked into a couple of the series, like the Russell Blake series. Um, you know, I, I got hooked on a, a novella of his. And then uh, there's a couple other series, same thing. So I'm writing a couple of novellas that I hope will be good hooks into my current series. And I'll do the same for the next series that I'll write, uh, which hopefully will start coming out the end of this year. That's great. Um, but uh, the novellas, you know, yeah, you sell them for maybe 99 cents. So you're not going to make any money at it. Mm-hmm. But if that can get a reader interested in you and your writing style, you know, I've heard you say you want a thousand good followers, you know, mm-hmm. dedicated. Yeah. And if you can get 10 or 20,000 of those through giving stuff away with novellas or, or promos, mm-hmm. then that, uh, <clears throat> that builds your readership. And uh, you spend a whole lot less money when you've got that readership. You know, each book that you buy hopefully builds the readership further. Yep. Sorry, each book that you pr- uh, publish helps build the readership further. Mm-hmm. You know, that's yep. the, the goal. Yeah. I mean, there should become a point. You don't have to spend much. I mean, cause you have such loyal followers that are going to buy everything you, you know, you write and you know, I, I, I'm watching marketing just on all levels and it's really the micro kind of micro niches, micro companies. I mean, it's, we don't have the mass marketing, you know, you're not going to see the Stephen Kings and the John Grishams anymore. It's going to be right. small, small groups of, you know, writers. And, Cause ever, you know, to talk to people, Hey, have you watched this show? And you're like, what show is that? Right. I mean, there's right. just, <laughs> little small little niches, but there's ra- raving fans that want this thing, you know, that they're going to eat everything, you know, that comes out of there. Um, and it's, I think it's the same with, with book marketing. You know, we're just, you just find those a thousand true fans and, and those are your people and, and you market to them and um, it doesn't have to be a million people. Um, I think exactly. that's, you know, and, and like you, you said earlier in the show, you know, the, the, the margins of profit are way higher, you know, when you're an indie publisher, you know, you have 70% or more and, you know, you keep that. It's not 5% or, two percent or ten percent like traditional um and and yeah that's 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 i think exciting uh for those that are those that are coming up and and getting started um so glenn this has been been really great and uh, i know you're working on some things and uh why don't you tell us a little bit kind of what what you have coming out next um and also where people can find you so the um the next thing coming out is a book called chosen path and it's a little departure from kind of normal stuff because I'm, I'm not using your traditional American uh, characters. So they're, uh, they're, it's a mix of, of characters that hail from foreign lands, but uh, yeah, I, 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 like, I like them. They're, they're great characters. They've, they've each got something different that they bring to the table. And, uh, and it's all about dilemmas. It's all about choices that we make in life and, and where those choices take us. And uh, it gets a little dark. You know, there's, there's some dark clouds that this guy has to, to go through. And um, anyway, I, I hope people like it and find that interesting. And then timing wise, I think I'm going to try it while that book is in editing and, uh, and the final phases, I'm going to try to put out at least one novella that's 
related to this the first series, um, hopefully two, and then come out with this fourth full-length novel, and then by the end of the year have a brand new series that, you know, I've got uh, I've got the beginnings of nine stories for that series. So now that I have those beginnings, kind of have the first page or two of each of those stories written. And, um, and with that, that kernel of an idea for each story, I'll hopefully uh, be cranking those out a little faster, two or three a year is the goal. That's great. No, I like, I like your novella um, strategy. Uh, I'm trying to get this girl on the, on the show. I should say woman. Uh, and uh, she's, she's doing like two, uh, I should say two a month, like one every two weeks wow. and uh, kind of a, a unique way. And mostly that's all she writes. They're kind of like fantasy sci-fi type type stories, but um, she's having great success with it. And uh, yeah, and just people find her that way, but yeah, no, that's great. So where, where's the best place for people to find you and your, in your work? So I, my, my Facebook and Twitter handles are all Glenn Robbins books, as is my website. So Glenn with one N Robbins with one B books. Great. Well, Glenn, Hey, this and is Amazon good. too. Yep. So, and uh, yeah, check out Amazon, check out Glenn's work. Thank you, Glenn, so much for coming on the show. You helped a lot of writers today and uh, yeah, go get his books and check out his stuff and uh, keep on writing and getting those words on the page. Thanks, Ryan. Good to talk to you. Thank you. Well, there you have it, prolific writer nation. What a great interview. What a great guy, Glenn Robbins. Go check out his off series. I think you will enjoy it. And uh, thank you, Glenn, for coming on the show and really just showing again the the path of of writing. I love that little story he told about uh, the conference he went to and just the the place of indie writing and, uh, you know, getting that publishing deal getting that traditional deal is is difficult and it's getting more difficult by the day and, and yet we have these other options uh to keep going and uh and, and just love his, he's putting in the work and, and finding the time and again here's a guy who's got a you know bunch of businesses going he's got a family he's got responsibilities and, and yet he's finding the time to get the words on the page and so i hope you were encouraged inspired uh, to take that next step up there there's some things you could pull out from his story and apply it to your own writing craft and your own publishing business and uh, hopefully that was really helpful for you i know it's helpful for me go so go check out glenn robbins books i'll put his all his information in the show notes and just a couple of things as we end thing one if you'd like to support the show on patreon.com uh, you can give as little as a dollar a month that supports artists around the world and uh, we're part of a, a network of podcasts the the project entertainment network and uh, if you support our show you'll support 21 other shows as well and we're giving out some free stories and signed books and other swag and other cool stuff so go check out the patreon page i'll put that in the show notes um, and then also uh, secondly, if you could kindly leave a rating or review on iTunes, that really helps us get the word out, get the show up into more ears. And uh, so thank you everyone for your kind uh, feedback and ratings and reviews as well. If you'd like to do that, I'll put that in the show notes as well. And then lastly, thing three, if you would like to be updated on latest episodes, articles, um, I have a free writing course uh, that's going to be coming out soon. And uh, to help you guys in your taking next steps wherever you are in a, in a paid course down the road. But uh, uh, if you'd like your updates on that, uh, check out the website and uh, sign up on the, on the newsletter. And uh, we'll make sure that uh, you stay apprised on all of that. So here to serve you, help you take your next step wherever that step is for your writing, uh, publishing business. Well, hey, it's been a, a 
privilege and a pleasure to be able to do another interview. So thankful to be able to do this. So glad you're with us. And uh, before I go, I just have one more thing. Go get those words on the page. This is Ryan J. Pelton from The Prolific Writer, and I will talk to you real, real soon. person's story has something to teach us how others view life how obstacles are overcome how joy is felt how fears are faced how love is expressed the matters of faith podcast explores individual stories of people's lives and how faith plays a part it may not be your story but it may help shape yours the matters of faith podcast with jay wilburn is on project entertainment network This has been an exclusive presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.